Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the greatest sports journalist in the history of Erie, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Balco. My boy, my boy Michael Balco, writer, podcaster, sports enthusiast. He is the first guest that we have on the Black Eagle Hour podcast this year. He had just contributed, and he also has his own podcast, The Mike Belco Show. Uh, I want you all to uh, welcome Mr. Mike Belco. Today, to speak about the New Orleans Saints is Michael Belco from The Michael Belco Show. Host of The Michael Belco Show, please welcome Michael Belco. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? How are we doing? It is your host, Mikey B, the host of The Michael Balco Show. Today we're back with another episode, but that's enough about me because today I'm super excited to announce my guest. He's an 11-year MLB veteran. He was the fifth player in the history of the MLB to play all nine positions in a single game, and he's one of the best utility players in the MLB over the past decade. Andrew Romine, how are we doing, my man? I'm good, Mike. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am blessed and highly favored. That tends to be my answer when I get asked that question. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm glad that we were able to get you on the show today. Um, first and foremost, we got to talk about your hometown of Winter Haven, Florida. Tell us a little bit about it. What makes it so unique and special? I don't even know if I could call it hometown anymore. I was born there. So back back in the day, the Red Sox were, were they had spring training there. So I was born before just before spring training because my parents were out there in Florida and I mean I don't even think they stayed there after that but that was like a one and done and get out of get out of Winter Haven and and now they're down in, I think they're down in South Florida now but um no hometown now is is Queen Creek Arizona um back where I used to go to college in Arizona State and loving the 65 degrees outside right now I'm loving the uh, crisp 25. So I got you. <laughs> I got you. I was beat there. Say, you got to you got to be bundled up and shoveling your driveway to go to work right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If if we get that lucky, because, you know, the plows don't exist, apparently some for some reason. <laughs> it's great. So I am very envious of you right now with that 65 degree weather. That's for sure. <laughs> So uh, in high school, after your high school baseball career concluded, uh, you were originally drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies in the 36th round of the 2004 MLB draft, opted to attend Arizona State, as you just mentioned, instead. Um, Was that a difficult decision? What kind of factored into that decision? And um, was kind of playing in college always your original plan? I I think college was probably the number one plan at the time. Uh, we had basically set a price tag and said, this is what it's going to take for me to pass up a college education, a college experience, um, being able to get that college baseball uh, education. So we had pretty much already told the teams, look, if you don't take me, I think we said like, like the second round or better or something like that. Cause everything's slotted, you know, there's the numbers are what they are, unless you have some weird negotiation behind you know, closed doors and everything. Um, everything was going to be slotted. So we said, you know, if we're not getting second round money or whatever it was at the time, then I'm going to college. And we kind of like knew, you know, I wasn't really projected because you get some feelers thrown out there from teams and scouts and stuff. And they're kind of seeing where you're at and telling you where they think you're at. So we kind of knew I was 
I was kind of putting myself just a little bit above so that, you know, hey, maybe somebody came in and gave me a little bit more than I was expecting. And then we would have had to think about it. But I was I was pretty set. So my dad went to Arizona State and Hall of Famer on the wall holds records there still to this day. So I, I was already like, man, this is going to be a cool experience. I'm going to go live the Arizona State baseball life and get to party and have fun and play baseball at the highest level in college. So I was ready for it. Awesome. Awesome. Was it like even a slight bit of just like, man, I'm just passed up on pro ball to go play in college. Or, I mean, I mean, cause I mean, at that point, like you already got drafted. So it's just like, if anything, college is going to help you boost your draft stock. Is that kind of like your mindset? Yeah, I think, I, I don't think that I regretted it at any point. Um, obviously things could have ended up differently. And the, and the biggest risk that people take is going to college. You might get hurt, you know, you might get hurt and you might not get to play baseball again. And then you're wishing that you had signed and gone pro and life would have been a different story. So I actually, the crazy thing was I did get hurt in college and I had a pretty serious, uh, surgery where I had thoracic outlet syndrome, where, um, one of the arteries in my neck got blocked and I had a blood clot. So that was my sophomore year and going into my junior year, it was during the off season. And I ended up missing the first half of the season. I had to have my first rib. I got a pretty gnarly scar right there. I got my first rib taken out. So I got, I got that on the nightstand, a little uh, piece of bone from my neck. And then a couple of the neck muscles were taken out too. Um, and at the time it was fairly new, but a couple of pitchers that had it done. Um, and they went to this same guy. We found this specialist out in St. Louis. His name is Dr. Robert Thompson. And we got that surgery done. It was hell to say the least. And a lot of pain and a lot of doubt. And, and you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to play again. I had doctors telling me that I was going to be on blood thinners for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm never going to step foot on a baseball field again. And I hear my mom in the hallway at the hospital yelling and screaming at those doctors that they're never allowed to come back into my room again. You can't talk to my son. Don't tell him he's not going to play baseball. So it was it was quite an ordeal. Um, luckily, I had amazing trainers at Arizona State. Uh, Kenny McCarty was the, the head trainer for the baseball team there. And just the the support that I had in that team, we were a family. You know, you're spending all day, every day with those guys. You're going to class with those guys. You know, your life is every day, all day. And to have a good support group was a huge, huge thing. Um, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, ended up coming out and, and living with me and going to school out there with me to, to be around me and kind of help me through everything. And, you know, my parents took time off of work and it was just at the time I'm, I'm, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kid. I don't even know what a blood clot is. So for this to happen, I was just like, well, I, it was almost like ignorance was bliss. Like I didn't know how serious it was. So I just thought, Ah, it's just something I got to get through and I'll be back. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way of looking at it for sure. And it's nice that, you know, you had all that support at such a young age as well. And it was kind of able to just carry with you. That's always a great thing to have. Um, in 2007, you know, you, you overcame all that stuff and, you know, your hard work that you put, put in college and obviously your high school career as well. It all came to fruition. You got drafted in the fifth round of the MLB draft um, by the LA angels. 
Um, what was that moment like? Take us into what your draft day experience was kind of like. I know baseball draft day experiences are a lot different than what you may see in like the NFL and things like that. Um, tell us a little bit about what yours was like. So I didn't at the time, I didn't have an agent. I was still at school. I think I'm pretty sure at, at that moment we were practicing or preparing for a regional or a super regional, something for the playoffs. And I had sat around all morning the day before, watched the first couple of rounds. I knew I wasn't going in the first couple of rounds. Um, and then the second day started and I'm sitting around and we got baseball practice today. So I got to watch a, a little bit of it and then I headed off. And I mean, I basically missed phone calls from the team that wanted from the angels that wanted to sign me. I had to call people back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm practicing right now. Like, ah, we just wanted to let you know. So it was already kind of hectic for me that day because we were, this is what we had worked towards for the last three years of my college career. And I'm trying to focus and, and play playoff baseball basically. And it was like, okay, cool. Thanks. And then like a, I remember a feeling of a little bit of a relief, like a weight, you know, how everybody says a weight off your shoulders or off your chest. And I do, I felt that like, okay, like this is, this has happened. I can put it behind me right now and I can go, you know, lock arm in arm with my teammates and go try and win a college world series right now. So it was at the time when you're a young guy and you're in college and you're living by yourself and not knowing, you know, you can't just ask mom and dad to fix things anymore. So you have to learn how to handle things emotionally. And it, it was a really good experience that I thought was cool. I got to do it alone. You know, a lot, not a lot of times people think I want to experience something alone because they always want support, but I thought it was really cool that I got to do it. I was kind of, you know, by myself, just picked up a phone call, talked to somebody and got ready for the game that day or a practice that day and moved on. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about like baseball drafts, like MLB draft is like dudes will just get drafted. Like they'll be out fishing. They'll just be hanging out with their buddies or whatever the case may be practicing for the playoffs and you're getting drafted and you're just like, Oh yeah, cool, man. And then you just get right back to it, man. You make that playoff run. That's, that's awesome. So it took you just three years to climb through the minor leagues, which for those of you who who don't know much about the minor leagues, sometimes dudes will be there for six, seven, even eight years and, and still not get up to the to the show. Took you just three years, you know, to climb through the minor leagues, make your MLB debut with the Angels. Um, tell us about your path through the minors, um, kind of what you did to like help you climb the ranks in the minors and then what it was like finally getting that call up. I love how you say it just three years. Like I know, I know. It felt it felt like a lifetime, man. You're sitting on buses driving for 12 hours to the next city and eating peanut butter and jelly every single day. Mm-hmm. Like if any if any minor league guys are listening to this, they know exactly what it feels like. You're like, oh my god, these days, man, they drag out. But if for some reason, it still didn't it still didn't feel like work, like ever. It always it was always like, okay, cool like peanut butter and jelly, whatever. Nobody cares. We're going to, we get to go play baseball today. I don't have to sit at a desk and do a nine to five right now. So I'll take it. I'll, I'll eat whatever they put out. But so my first year was 07. I went to the Orem Owls, which first of all, I got really lucky because Orem was an amazing town, amazing stadium. We shared it with one of the college teams out there. And it was like, 
top notch for for a low a you know rookie ball type of um, level. And I can remember getting to Salt Lake and being like, man, this is a really cool city. This minor leagues is going to be fun. Um, I didn't know how lucky I was until I went to the next cities that we went to visit. And I'm looking at some of these other cities like, holy crap. All right. I'm in for something a little different than I thought it was. But we had a we had an amazing team that year. Um, the Angels had been known to draft guys who were a little bit older, like college signs instead of high school guys. So we had a bunch of guys out of college and we, I'm pretty sure we won everything that year. And our team was just amazing. I'm a lot older than, than the rest of the teams. So that kind of helped. And then after that, I went to low a, which was in Cedar Rapids. Uh, that was my real first taste of the Midwest. And I, I loved Iowa. I thought, I thought Iowa was aside from the weather, which is absolutely horrendous baseball weather in Iowa. It was snowing when we got there and it was 110 with bugs and humidity once the summer hit and there was no in between, maybe like a week or two in between where it was nice, but Cedar Rapids was cool. We Cedar Rapids was when I first got the, like, this is, this is minor league baseball. Like we're out in the Midwest, we're driving 12 hours to the next city and you're just experiencing the grind of minor league baseball. Yeah. Then from then I went back to California. I got to play in Rancho Cucamonga for high A. And that, that was really cool because my parents were still living in Southern California. So they were only about an hour away. So they could come out, see me, watch a game, take me to dinner or something. And I got to kind of be home again, almost. Um, Cal league was cool. Uh, A lot different than the other leagues, you know, a little more California style, but um, I think double A was Little Rock, Arkansas, which would go ahead back out there and, and do the humidity again. And I can remember there was like at least one or two weeks in there where coach just didn't do batting practice, didn't do BP because it was so hot and humid that people were dehydrated and passing out, pulling hamstrings and all kinds of junk. So, uh, but that was that was one of the first seasons that my wife, girl, girlfriend at the time, had come and lived with me out in um, in Little Rock, and we got to you know experience the the lifestyle of the grind together and kind of form that basis of this is what the lifestyle is going to be, and it's it's not the easiest thing in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So after that, went back to Salt Lake for the Salt Lake Bees, which was AAA, and again Salt Lake. We, we love Salt Lake. My wife, she would always rave about how there's tons of places to go hiking and lots of things to do. Park City's up. There's the mountains there. You know, you got the snow-capped mountains when you're starting the season in April. And uh, the people there were awesome. The school, again, I can remember one of the highlights being we had a, you have one or one, maybe two day games during the season on that are at like 11 o'clock. And it's like on a Friday or Saturday, because you never get Friday or Saturday nights off. You always have to play a game on a Friday, Saturday night, because that's when they make the most money. So we got a kid's game on like a Friday. So we're going, all right, what are we doing Friday night? Because we finally get to go do something. And I found out there was a U2 concert that got rescheduled for that night from like two years prior, because he had surgery, Bono had surgery. So we got tickets to go to that. We played our kid's game at 11 o'clock in the morning to 
5,000 screaming kids yelling SpongeBob SquarePants and then took off straight up to uh, University of Utah and watched U2 give a concert to like 100,000 people in the stands or something. It was it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. That's so awesome. I oh I skipped over the part where I got called up to the big leagues from Double A. I got I forget. I know you're looking at me like yeah you forgot to talk about the big leagues. But I so in Double A, I had finished my season in Little Rock. I went home, uh, went to California, visited my parents, visited my brother, my sister. Um, went to an angel game, got tickets to an angel game from one of my teammates who had got called up that year. And I was sitting in the stands at an angel game, watching the angels. And then I went down said hi to some of the guys. And then I left and I, I drove back out to Arizona where my wife and I were going to stay for the off season, got an apartment and I was getting ready to go to team USA to go to Puerto Rico. And the night before I was supposed to fly out, um, I bar, had got hurt and he was playing short at the time. So they called me up and they said, you're not getting on that flight to Puerto Rico tomorrow. You're going to, you're going to Anaheim. And I was like, don't mess with me right now. Like this is, this is not a funny joke. And he's like, no, for for real, they got a day game tomorrow. You need to get on a flight at like six in the morning. You're going to, you're going to start the game tomorrow. And that, and I'm like, my heart is just jumping out of my chest. And my wife's looking at me going, who is it? <laughs> so we get off we go we go to dinner we go to try to go to a fancy dinner but i have no money because i'm still in the minor leagues and i'm making nothing so we we celebrate and and fly out and the coolest part about it was i got to make my debut in anaheim while my parents were in the stands my brother my sisters like the whole thing just kind of worked perfectly and the funniest part was two weeks before that i was sitting in the stands watching an angel game yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's one of the coolest call-up stories I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And I trust me, I know all about that minor league grind. I've spent the past eight years myself on like the promotional side of it, working at minor league games. Erie Seawolves, shout out to the Erie Seawolves for sure. But uh, yeah, obviously not a player. It's it, I've seen it though. It's tough, man. Oh, I mean, it's the same thing, dude. You, yeah. get, you had to get on the buses and you had to hit, stay in the hotels and mm-hmm. share rooms with people and eat yeah. crappy food. I've been bat boy, man. I've seen the guys in there, gotten to work with some incredible dudes like Casey Mize, you know. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Josh Lester, just because he deserves a shout out. But you know, he's the GOAT. <laughs> Anyways, back back to it. Um, we're gonna that kind of segues into our next question because you spent a few years in that organization with the Detroit Tigers. So you spent a couple more years with the Angels, as we kind of just talked about, and you eventually were traded to the Detroit Tigers. Um, what was your initial reaction to being traded to the Tigers after you spent the past six years in the Angels organization and all of that? So it was it was pretty sudden because nothing it was about three or four, maybe five days before spring training ended. And I'm out on the field. I just got done hitting my group of BP and I was shagging some balls waiting for BP to end. And the GM came walking down on the field, Jerry Depoto at the time. He comes walking down the field. And he yells over to Sosha. And so Sosha walks over and I'm watching this because there's why is the GM on the field, you know, and I'm standing in the outfield looking over and they talk for a second. And then they look over at me and Sosha yells at me and tells me to get off the field. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I am not even doing anything. I'm just standing here. 
So I come over, they say, come inside and they take me inside. At this time, I still have no idea. I'm thinking maybe I got, you know, I got sent down or something like, cause they make cuts, you know, usually they make the cuts in the morning before practice. So I'm like, this is odd. Maybe they just had to wait. Who knows? So I get in the meeting, they sit me down, they go, the first thing that they say, you got, we, we traded you to the Detroit Tigers. And I was like, like everything just stopped. I was like, well, what did, I, I can distinctly remember going, well, what do I do? And they, they just kind of looked at me and, and Jerry was like, well, you, you should probably call your agent. Um, you're going to need to probably get on a flight and get a call over to the Tigers so that they can get you out to Florida uh, for the rest of spring training. So, I mean, I thanked them, said my buys and packed up my stuff that day and put it in my car drove back to California and surprised my wife for a day and then flew out to Florida the next day on a, on a red eye flight to get to Florida. So the baseball life, right? Just do it now. No warning, be prepared, but don't be. Yeah. I I couldn't even imagine, man. It's just like, you got your, you know, you're settled, you know, you kind of understand like your role somewhat with the organization. And it's just like, Peace, bro. Like, <laughs> well, the coolest part was I was anticipating trying to make the squad for the Angels and most likely going to AAA. And then I get over to the Tigers and they're going, Yeah, Jose Iglesias, uh, he's hurt, he's injured, he's out the whole season, and we need a shortstop. So it was like me and one other guy, um, Miguel. Miguel something. Oh, I can't believe I don't remember his name. He was awesome too. Um, anyways, it'll come to me. And we, so we start like the last four games or so. And nobody told me when I was over there, like, Hey, you're going to make the team or you might make the team. They didn't say anything. So I was just going about my days like, oh, I'll, I'm going to go to AAA. And then we get done with our, our uh, exhibition game in Washington and we're having a meeting as a team and we get done and like everybody in this room, pack up your stuff. We're headed out to Detroit after, you know, we get on a plane right now and I'm looking around and I'm like, every, everybody like, am I going like, what's going on here? And I got, I got up and I walked up after the meeting and I was like, Hey, Hey, Brad, uh, awesomeness. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, uh, when you say everybody, you mean like everybody, like we're all going, like I made the team and he was, cause that team was, I mean, Miguel Cabrera and Ian Kinsler, Victor Martinez, um, Cespedes. I mean, it was Scherzer, Verlander, Sanchez. So everybody there, they're not wondering if they made the team, you know? And so I'm like the only guy in the room who's going, Are we, did, do we get meetings? Like, does everybody get a personal meeting or what's going on right now? So I walked up to him and I was like, hey, I just wanted to make sure like you met everybody like I'm going to. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, like, yeah, you made the team. And I was like, dude, you got to be a little more clear than, oh, sorry. Yeah, you made the team. Yeah, that's crazy. I ended up, I mean, that was, and and I came to find out later, the only reason that my name got thrown into the hat was um, Omar Vizquel had, when they had their meeting, the Tigers, and when when, um, Iglesias got hurt, Omar Vizquel was the one who said, hey, take a look at Andrew Romine. He's over with the angels. He's probably, you know, not going to make the team or like be the utility guy for their team, but he can play short. And I was like, Omar Vizquel just vouched for me. Like, are you serious right now? Yeah. And 
ever since then, like every time I saw Omar, I give him a big hug and just basically follow him around and do everything he tells me to do because he's Omar Biscal. So <laughs> exactly. When Omar speaks, you listen. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But what is, what is like that very first day? Like you, you land in Detroit, man. Like what is that first day like in Detroit? Like, like what just kind of what goes into that first day? Cold. Cold. Was, yeah, for sure. It was snowing. It was snowing. That was my first experience with opening day snow pretty much. And I think we got snowed out our opening day. Um, it was, it was really like my first, cause I had a little bit of experience with the angels and that's where I broke in, but it was my first, like you, you broke with the team. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're one of the guys and we're going to be riding or dying with you on the squad. So I started to, and they were all new people. Like I didn't do spring training with them. I didn't know any of them. Tori, Tori was there, which was really, really cool. Tori Hunter was with the angels too. So I got to know him. So Tori, I mean, that guy was the face of baseball for any, any room that Tori walks in, you acknowledge that Tori is there and like he's makes it happy and you can't help but smile and listen when he talks. Mm -hmm. So he basically just, runs the team because he knows exactly what he's doing. He'd been around forever and he takes people under their wing. So I, I was lucky enough to have Tori as kind of like a mentor while I was there. And I mean, that team was just, it it was the best baseball team that I've ever seen, even to this day that I've ever seen day in and day out. The talent that was on that team was unbelievable. And I'm sitting here going, man, like I'm part of this. This is freaking crazy right now. And what people in the Midwest are like when it comes to sports out there. I hadn't experienced that before. Like California baseball wasn't the same. Um, There's, there's just so much like pent up energy out there when people finally get to get outside and it's not snowing anymore, they go crazy and they are diehard fans. So it was really, really fun to experience like meeting all of the, superstar guys that you're playing with and getting to know them as people, not just like, Hey, I seen you on TV, you know, I faced you or whatever. Now you get to hang out with them, go to dinner with them and, you know, pick their brains when it comes to baseball and see what they're thinking and how they do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely cool. So you spent, you spent four years with Detroit. Um, You had a breakout season in 2017. You set career highs in a ton of categories. You became the, you also in that season, became the fifth player in MLB history to play all nine defensive positions in a single game. Um, so kind of describe your Detroit experience as a whole and then kind of go specifically into how the situ- how the opportunity comes up to play all nine defensive positions in a single game. So after that first season where I played short for a lot of the time, um, we ended up we went to the playoffs that year, which was my first and only experience of the playoffs in 14. Uh, we played – a really good uh, Baltimore team and we ended up losing to them, but still that, that lineup and that rotation and the bullpen, like everything that we had, I knew that we had something special and it just goes to show you like you could have the most talented group of baseball players, but if it just doesn't come together timing wise, you know, you can lose at the wrong time and, and not make the world series. So it's not as easy as, you know, just going and spending a bunch of money. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I ended up 
getting moved to that utility role after that, after that season. And basically they said, can you play first? And I was like, I mean, it can't be that hard, right? Like I can figure it out. What am I going to say? No, no, (laughs) send me down. I I don't feel like learning a new (laughs) position. Right. So I ended up playing quite a bit of first, you know, maybe got hurt a little bit here and there, or, you know, if the games got some blowouts, I got some time at first base and, played some third. I got, I got some defensive replacements a lot at third for Castellanos. And then they, before I knew it, they were saying, can you play the outfield? I was like, sure. I mean, I shag balls every day out there in center field. So I come in and I think it was, it was 16 or 17. And I was starting a lot of games out in center field. Um, and that was, that was really cool. Cause I had never played outfield before other than, I mean, my dad played outfield and he taught me, but I hadn't done outfield in 10 years. So it was pretty cool to learn these positions at the highest level and in the stadiums that I got to learn them in. But that was, I mean, the whole Detroit in general, like those years, my wife and I, the years that we spent in Detroit were four of the most exciting, coolest years that we've ever lived our life. Like being able to travel around the country, play baseball at the highest level and with the teams and the teammates that I was associated with. It's there's nothing that's going to match that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, so for the defensive game where you played all nine positions, is that like planned going into the game? How does that kind of come about? So, so this is how it happened. That, that same game that I told you about when we went to Washington for the exhibition game and Osmus, so we got rained out, didn't play that game, just got back on the, uh, went back to the hotel and then we flew out the next morning to go to Detroit and, me and a couple of guys went down to the bar and in the hotel and just sat there and hung out for a bit. And Brad came down and he sits down next to us and he is all, Hey, uh, you ever played all nine positions before? And I was like, I mean, no, I haven't pitched or caught or any of that, but you know, I I've played some outfield when I was younger and played the other positions. And he's all, he, he got excited because he was part of the last one that happened. So the last guy that did it was Shane Halter and he was on the team with him and he's all, yeah, I got to, play third base while Shane was catching and that was really cool. And he was all proud that he got to play third. So he goes, what do you think about doing that? And I was like, absolutely. Like, (laughs) yes, let's do that. So he didn't say another word for four years. Nothing wasn't even brought up again. And I'm pretty sure that at some point he knew he wasn't coming back. You know, he knew his contract wasn't getting renewed. And at that point they had already started trading away almost half of the team in 17 and he comes up to me with like two weeks left and he goes, what do you think about doing those all nine positions? And I was like, I mean, if it works out and we can, like we got to make sure that teams aren't trying to get a playoff spot or maybe our game means something to another team. So we were already out of it and the twins needed like one more win for it to not matter. And they got that win right before we came to their place to play them. So that's why it had to happen in Minnesota and we couldn't do it at home because we were trying to do it at home and it just, the game still meant something. So we couldn't do it at home, which kind of sucked, but Minnesota did a really good job of kind of acknowledging it for me. And, you know, they threw it up on the billboard and they, they um, paused the game and like they made it pretty, pretty cool. Whereas most, visiting stadiums don't have to do that they they don't have to care you know 
So I thought it was really nice that of all the places I got to do it in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And nonetheless, you won the, you guys won the game and everything. Yeah, so I got a hold. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Did you get credit for a hold? I did. Yeah. I pitched, I, I'm pretty sure I pitched in like the eighth or something. Yeah. I, I was watching it earlier today. Yeah. You, you pitched and you guys had like a three to two lead at the time and then you yeah. guys ended up getting the win and you got a hold. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Brad didn't, I told him, don't tell me, don't tell me where I'm going or when beforehand. So we would come back in, put our gloves down, go hit. And then when we get two outs, he would say, Hey, Roman, you're going to shortstop now, or you're going to left field now. And then he would tell the other people, you know, where they're moving to and everybody. So the other guys thought it was really cool too, because they got to play positions that they don't play. Yeah. So one of the coolest stories that uh, I haven't told many people, but um, Brian holiday was the catcher. And when I went to catch, he went to second base. So we're, it's a two to one game at this point. And I'm going, dude, you need to help me call the pitches. Like, I don't know these, like what he wants to throw or when, and I mean, if it was a blowout or something, it wouldn't have mattered, but I don't want him shaking, you know, over and over and over. So I would throw the ball back to the pitcher and I would glance over at doc, Brian, and I would glance at him at second base and he would have his hand down by his waist like this for a fastball. He would have it like this for a slider and like this for a changeup. So I would toss the ball back and glance at him and he would signal to me what pitch to call. And then I would go put it down. <laughs> that's insane. That's crazy. That's just like, that's the cool stuff about it. Like it's a close game the whole time. Like usually when you see stuff like that or like, you know, interesting, you know, moments like that, it's like in a blowout game. Like it doesn't matter. You're either up yeah. by a lot or you're losing by a lot, but like, it's just kind of funny that like, you know, it was all part of the game plan and you ended up winning the game and all the adversity through that game. That's just crazy to even like fathom. Like that's just awesome. Um, but following that 2017 season, uh, you took your talents to the Pacific Northwest and spent a season in Seattle, which is my favorite MLB team. <laughs> what was your stint in Seattle like? Seattle was awesome. Everybody loves going to Seattle, man. Everybody loves that city. Um, I was staying downtown on like a high rise building, getting a look over the bay and experience the whole city. Um, we had a, I think for the first half, we had like one of the best teams in baseball. Um, I think we were like one or two games back from Houston at the time competing every single week, uh, trying to get first place spot. And I think we kind of tailed off towards the second half, which unfortunately has been a theme for Seattle in the past and, you know, injuries and stuff kind of make that happen. And it's tough to carry it again. I, it shows how difficult it really is to carry a team in first place all the way through the season, um, especially when guys are getting hurt. But again, like I've had the luxury of playing with teams that have had superstars on every team that I've gone to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cano was there, uh, Nelson Cruz, D, who, you know, D Gordon and I are super close friends. We've got to play together on multiple teams. Our dads played against each other. And um, it was, it was just really, fun to see a group of like veteran guys like I named and then younger guys like Hanniger and Healy and like some of the young phenoms that were coming up and, and putting a mark on the game. So it was a great mix. And and that was kind of different than any team that I had been on. Truthfully, did the opportunity to play against the angels a lot more weigh into your decision to join the Mariners? No, no, that was, so Jerry had called, Mm -hmm. um, 
same GM that was with the Angels was now with Seattle. And he had called and was like, hey, we're signing you. I had just got in the free agency and I was like, let's go. Like, awesome. I'm not even entertaining any other ideas. I'm going to Seattle. Let's do this. Okay. Dope, dope. Did you, did you get to like hit up the Pike Place Market and all that good stuff while you were yeah. down there? Every homestand. Yeah. yeah. We go down, get some Catch sushi. A fish. Yeah. <laughs> right along the Bay Area. Like it was, it's such a cool place in the summer. Yeah. I don't know anything about it in the winter. I hear it rains all the time, but the summers are amazing. Yeah, it, it sucks in the winter. That's for sure. I lived up there for a few years, so it's it's terrible. Um, but yeah, the Space Needle, man, there's there's a lot of cool stuff in Seattle, man. I want to go back for sure. Um, after that year in Seattle, you bounced around for a couple years, and then you ended up in Chicago with the Cubs this past season. Um, you got to play alongside your brother. Um, and then on August 12th, you were able to pitch to your brother. Um, what was that moment like? Take us into that experience. So he wasn't scheduled to be back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in he was in Iowa doing his rehab stint because he had gotten hurt again. And he was still like three or four days out from coming back up. And then Contreras got hurt and they called him and was like, hey, we're going to bring you back like now. So he's like, all right, whatever. Let's go. <laughs> like, I'm ready. I'm fine. So he comes back up. Wasn't supposed to play that day at all. And like, I don't even know if he had his cleats on, but I, we go out, we get our butts kicked by uh, the brewers and oh, side note, Pat Murphy was over there with the brewers at the time, who was my coach at ASU. So he's the bench coach over with the brewers watching this happen. And um, Ross comes up and, you know, Hey, you're going to throw the last inning. Uh, don't blow your arm out. And I'm just like, whatever, who cares? Like I'm done. I'm, I'm 35 years old. Who cares if I blow my arm out? So we, I go jogging out and I get to the mountain. I turn around and I look and my brother's jogging out in his gear. And I guess Ross was like, Hey man, you want to go catch your brother? And, and Austin was like, yeah, like, of course I do. So he goes and throws his stuff on, comes out and I'm like, all right, I'm going to throw a fastball and two's occur. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Just throw the ball. And he jogs away. And I was like, all right. Okay. That's fine with me. So we get back there and he doesn't even put signs down and I throw him a knuckleball and he, he just like catches it and looks at me. And I was like, you didn't ask what the rest of my pitches were. So this is what you get now. So he's just, he's like, whatever. And he starts going like that. So I just started throwing whatever I felt like throwing. I'm standing on the mound in Wrigley at 35 years old, done with my career. I, I know I'm done. My wife knows I'm done. Other people don't know I'm done, but I'm standing on the mound going, and and not a lot of people get the chance to do this when they're playing ball. Nobody knows when the, the end of it is coming. Most of the time you don't know. And I'm standing there knowing like, this is it. I'm, I'm taking in every single second right now, looking around, watching the fans, watching the game, like looking at these guys worried because I'm throwing knuckleballs at them and stuff. And, <laughs> I'm playing backyard baseball with my brother in the big leagues in Wrigley stadium. Like it, it was a movie to me. And I, and I felt like I was having an out of body experience, just kind of trying to take it all in and, and just enjoy this last little bit that I knew I had. Yeah. You even got a strikeout. That was the best. I yeah. <laughs> you got a strikeout. He helped, me, he helped me with a little bit of a frame too. Yeah. He had a nice frame. He was like, yep. <laughs> he just held it right back up there. It was great. Man, strikeout looking at that backwards K. 
That's right. It was awesome. I got, I got some good stuff, man. Yeah, I, I saw have it. Like, I have like eight appearances as a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. That's a ton. Yeah. What's the career ERA at? I don't know that. Don't ask that. <laughs> don't ask that. Don't ask that. No, don't nobody ask. needs to know that. No one needs to know the ERA. All I know is that you've made more pitching appearances than 99.99% of America. So That's right. Yeah. Heck yeah, you have. <laughs> so December 11th, you announced your retirement from the MLB. Um, you just kind of touched on this, but did you know you were ready to hang it up? And I guess now I'll also add to the question, when did you know you were ready to hang it up? And was it a difficult decision? So we had throughout the year, like when I was in AAA for part of the year with Iowa, um, when I was with the Cubs, we had talked about it you know, moving on. I have a daughter now who's two and a half and um, the career that I've had, like we sat around and discussed like, what else am I trying to achieve here? You know, this is, I've already done more than I ever thought I would do. Um, aside from trying, you know, another year to win a world series, which mm-hmm. I mean, just making a team is hard enough, let alone trying to say, I want to win a world series. Um, and, and I was getting old, like, body, mind, like it gets taxing, you know, living out of a suitcase and hotels and traveling around and driving everywhere and doing, you know, it's, you know, poor me. Right. But it's a taxing lifestyle. And there's a part of you that just gets to a point where you say like, I'm ready to move on to the next phase of life. And that, that had come for us. And we were, we had mentally prepared for it. I think, when I say like, I know that that, that this was the end when I was throwing to my brother, I knew it was a really good possibility. And I knew that if I had, if I decided that during the off season, I was going to be totally fine with it. I just, I hadn't actually said it out loud and made the statement yet. Now going into the off season, once we got home in October and, you know, we spent some time at home and talked about what we would do next, um, you know, getting jobs and moving on and doing things later because, you know, I didn't make 30, 40, 50 million dollars and I'm not retiring and just riding off into the sunset and doing nothing. You know, first of all, I'd go crazy if I did that because I got to do something. Um, but secondly, it's it was talked about quite a bit once we got home. And that's when I really there was nerves. Like there's, there's always that. If I say this, it's, there's no coming back from this. You know, um, I'm telling people that I'm not going to play again. They're not going to come knocking on my door. So I, I had some anxiety and there was long nights of staying up and, and thinking about it and wondering, you know, what am I going to do now? And what's next? Like, who am I, who am I, you know, because I, it's been baseball my whole life and that's who I was. And, you know, my wife was a good sounding board to, to let me know, you know, that's not who you are. That's just what you did. You know, that's something that you did and you were lucky enough to be able to touch people's lives while you did it and, and influence people and make them happier. And, um, I think that was when I started to realize like, you know, I, the, the anxiety in my chest isn't really there anymore when I go to sleep at night. And that's when I went, okay, I'm comfortable with this choice and and I'm ready to do what's next and find the next challenge to try and master and be really good at. Yeah, man, for sure. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad that you were just like, kind of like 
kind of open to retirement. A lot of guys like they're forced to retire or, you know, they're just not ready, but like maybe the the opportunities aren't there and stuff like that. But it's just nice that you're able to like enjoy those moments, especially the one with your brother, like you just mentioned. Um, so with that being said, what was your favorite moment in the MLB? If you can pick one <laughs> and is there anything about your career you wish you could go back and change? I'll answer them. I'll answer them backwards. No, uh, there's nothing yeah. I would, I would change. I, I thought I did everything I possibly could. Um, I, I worked as hard as I could. I practiced as hard as I could. I tried to reach out to as many different avenues as I could to help people um, outside of baseball, you know, in the cities that we were in. Uh, we, my wife and I did as many things as we, we could while we had the platform. Um, do I wish I hit more home runs? Absolutely. <laughs> Eleven. I I should have I should have been swinging for the fence, man. Yeah. No. no, if I swung for the fence, I would have hit a buck fifty. That's that's <laughs> and that was one of the things that you know you got to know who you are and and what you're capable of. And I, as a defensive specialist, I guess they would say I I did everything that I possibly could, and I I did things the right way, which is what kept me there. But I don't know. It it's just it's difficult to look back and say that I, I would change anything when my career was more than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite moment that people ask this one all the time, but it's weird because I have so many crazy things that happen. Like my, my brother debuted against me. I don't know if a lot of people know that he, he debuted as a Yankee in Anaheim against the angels. And I was in the other dugout watching my brother play his first baseball game in the Bigleys. That's awesome. Um, I hit a grand slam. Like not there's people who play their whole career and never hit a grand slam. You know, they play 20 years and never hit one. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, What else? Playoffs were awesome. Like that, those, that week that we were there was pretty crazy. Uh, Baseball loud, exciting, uh, pretty much what you're playing for. I can't imagine what playing in a world series would feel like that. That would be overwhelming. (laughs) What else? Pitching to my brother. I mean, it's really hard to say that that's not the highlight because it that's what we did our whole life. We played baseball together, you know? Mm-hmm. So the home runoff Kimbrel was pretty freaking cool. Like that <laughs> was, again, that was at a moment. The, see, these things with the Cubs, those moments were like lucid. You know, I, I knew that this was the end of stuff. And, you know, I'm hitting a home run off of a Hall of Famer and running around the bases to tie a game. And I'm thinking, this is freaking awesome. Like, the reaction I, was the best part, yeah. too. Like, your face was just amazing. You're just. Well, I didn't get, I was never like that boisterous. You know, I was always like, let's play baseball and we're just here to win. And really, all I wanted to do was win. I don't mm-hmm. care what it was. I, I just want to win. I want to, I want to win this Zoom call right now. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to win it. I'm going to win our Zoom. You're- so, You're winning it right now. So I win, but yeah. that was, that was it. And like, it, it was just kind of like a years and years of built up, like trying to contain my emotion and not be that type of a guy because I never was. And I just couldn't anymore. I, I didn't care. I was having such a fun time. Yeah. That was an awesome moment. I love that moment. <laughs> Since you've done both. What is harder, hitting a fastball or throwing a fastball? A strike, I should say, throwing a strike. All my pitcher friends are going to hate me, but hitting is harder. 
The only reason I say that is because as a pitcher, you're in control of the ball. You get to choose what you're doing with it and you don't have to react as a hitter. You have to react to pitches and that's so freaking hard to do in half a second. So hitting for sure is the harder thing. For sure. I would say the same thing. I have never played baseball in my life, but I would say the same thing. <laughs> what is it like growing up with a father who played in the MLB? And then how much did he help you with, with your game? He taught us everything we know. So he helped a lot. Um, it was hard to say no to somebody who played in the big leagues or you don't know what you're talking about. Cause he did know what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. So Looking back, it was probably easier if I had just shut up and listened. So I, if I could go back, I would change that, that I would just not have argued as much and complained about things. But now I know that. Yeah. Instantly, right? Yeah, exactly. Who is, if you had to narrow it down, the toughest pitcher you've ever had to go against? Chapman. Chapman? Yeah, the guy's like 18 feet tall and he's throwing from – half for the distance because he's so long yeah. and he's throwing 103 yeah. um it was not comfortable he didn't know where it was going half the time you know it's not comfortable yeah, yeah. right-handed i'll i'll always say there were some really good pitchers that i saw when i was in detroit um some of those cleveland guys like kluber and bauer and those guys those guys were hard to hit but for some reason i played against linscomb when he was at uw and he was throwing 102 or something in college. And then he would throw all nine innings on Friday. And then he would come back and he would close on a Sunday. And I'm thinking, if this is what it's like in college, I got no shot in the pros. And I never got to face him in the big leagues. But he was he was one of probably the hardest right-handed hit, pitcher for me to, at that time. He was a different breed back in the yeah. day, that's for sure. So what have you been up to since retirement? So retirement lasted probably a month. And then I said, if I don't get going, I'm going to get lazy and I need to do something. So when we had moved into our first house, I had like sparked an interest in the whole real estate, home stuff, lending stuff. And one of my high school summer ball coaches was our lender for each house that we had bought and sold. And uh, so he sent me over during the 2020 season, actually, he sent me over a link to go check out um, this website and didn't tell me what it was, just clicked on it. And it's get your license to become a mortgage lender. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out because I'll I'll get into that when I'm later, like done with baseball. Mm -hmm. And so I just took the test, so it went to the state, took the exam and I passed it and got licensed. And then come in a month or so after the season ended, I'm working as a mortgage lender with LendUS and helping people get into homes and refi and get all the stuff that they need right to get into a new, a new home for themselves. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also make sure that all that contact information, if you, if you need help with any of that stuff, it'll be down in, in the description of this podcast. So you can hit up Andrew for that. There you for go. Sure. Yes, sir. You know, look at you, man, you know, we should just do this every week so that I can get some advertisement going out there. Listen, I'm down for it, man. I got so many shares and love reacts on Facebook just from promoting this. What's up? What, uh, I think we got a little. So what state are you in right now? Are you looking for a home loan? What do you need? <laughs> exactly. Let's we'll, we'll play this. We'll play this for sure. <laughs> so uh, what kind of advice can you give to the young athletes out there? Work every day. Every day. 
There was never an off day when you were a kid. You have endless energy. Just go work every day. Keep working the same thing over and over and over. They, there's this saying where you do, you do something wrong once, you have to go do it right 20 or 30 times to fix that one wrong swing or that one wrong ground ball. So when you practice and you're working on something, it doesn't have to be baseball. It can be anything. When you're working on something, you're working on, you know, interviewing somebody or whatever it is, you got to work on it with intent. So there's not just, I'm just going to take a bunch of crap swings off the tee, whatever. No, if you're going to do something, do it the right way, you know, work with intent, doing it right, focusing on what you're doing. And then please don't listen to all of the negative crap out there because nowadays I didn't have to deal with this when I was younger with the internet and social media and all this stuff. There's so many people out there and there's so many things telling you that you're not good enough or you can't do this or don't do that. Just don't listen to people. Do you know how many people I had tell me in Detroit uh, in one of the places that liked me, mind you, they liked me. Do you know how many people told me they hated my guts and that I sucked and I was terrible? Like, that's just part of the game, right? There's no, they, the people who aren't good at stuff don't have people yelling at them that they suck. It's only the people who are good. So it's kind of flattering to think that somebody's taking the time out of their day to tell you that you suck because, I mean, do you though? You're, yeah running around in the big leagues with a uniform on. So you're probably not that bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. So don't, it's not going to help you is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Focusing on all that negative stuff and listening to all that, it's not going to help you get anywhere. It's just a waste of your time. So don't listen to any of it. Exactly. I, I get told I sound like a robot, but it's cool because I'm sitting here <laughs> talking to my boy, Andrew Romine right now. So what's the deal? What's the deal? What's going on? <laughs> Andrew, that's all I got for you today, man. I appreciate you hopping on the show real quick. Tell us where we can find you out on social media. Um, if there's anything you want to promote, anything like that, here's your time to shine. I'm not, I'm not good at this promotion stuff, but uh, everything I got is all nine Romine. So uh, all nine Romine at, um, instagram and twitter and that stuff and then i got i recently have all nine romine website up that i made i'm very proud of it because i did that i'm not not the computer guy over here so (laughs) um i'm doing some lessons and camps and uh one of my buddies who played with me at arizona state matt hall uh he and i are doing some camps and we're trying to look to put together some teams and um kind of get our our ASU connection going back out here in Arizona and kind of pass on what we know to the next generation. Cause what good are we, if we don't help the next generation, right? Facts. Facts. So, and then obviously I'm doing loans at uh, lend us. So anybody that's looking for it, I'm here to help. There it is. There it is. Once again, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, sharing your knowledge, taking the time to chop it up with me for almost an hour here today. Uh, thank you so much, man. I'm super excited to see how the rest of your career pans out. I know you're going to be successful at it. Um, and once again, I, I greatly appreciate you uh, taking the time today. No, I had a great time. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Peace. All right, Mike. The Michael Balco Show is proudly sponsored by Donato's Pizza. Donato's prides themselves on ensuring that every piece of the pizza is important and that they have something for everyone. Donato should be your top spot for game days, just like they are mine. Check out their website at www.donato's.com for more information.